0: This morning, as we continue our series of God's Way Out, as we look at God working with people in the days of Moses in the book of Exodus, what I want to do today is I want to have a talk about having the talk. Now, in many families today, if you ask them, particularly the parents, have you had the talk yet with your children, they might immediately think, of have, have you had the talk? Have I had the talk of, of the birds and, and the bees? Have I had the, had the sex talk with my children? Have I talked to them about not only the mechanics and, uh, and how people come into this world in terms of the natural way that God has put things together, but, but have I talked to them about protecting themselves? Have I talked to them about what marriage is all about and what you should be prepared for if you're going to bring a child into this world? And, and as you think about that, uh, what you want to do with your children is warn them about certain places... That That is safe to go and certain places that are not safe to go, certain times of the evening that might not be the most protective time in their life experience to make sure that their life is not radically changed by something that might happen, either by their own choice or, let's be honest, by the choice of others who might impose on them their desires, their passions uh, to express whatever they want to express in a physical way. Uh, but many people today, particularly if you talk about having the talk and there's a PBS uh, uh, show on the talk, and if you were to talk to a black family or, to be honest, with a family that's uh, in the political force, uh, the police force, uh, they, they would have a much immediate, different immediate response to the question, have you, have, have you had the talk? Because the talk for them is, are you prepared for when, when you're out in the community Uh, and you're out there and all of a sudden a policeman comes your way, uh, are are you sure how you ought to respond when they come into your presence? And and particularly when you're driving, uh, when when they come alongside your vehicle, uh, have you made sure that you know your hands need to be visible? Uh, Don't reach for anything suddenly. Uh, Be sure that when they speak with you, no matter what attitude they might have toward you, that you don't cop an attitude back to them. Uh, that's the talk that, that many in, in, the, in the culture of color need to have soon with their children, particularly their male children, uh, that they're prepared for what might happen when a police officer comes near them. But I want you to understand that that's not just true for those in color, with color. One of our elders, who, who happens to be white, his His father was a police captain, and early in his life, he was also told or had the talk with him that when you're driving and a police officer comes up and pulls you over, I don't want you to cop an attitude. I don't want your hands to be hidden, and no matter how they treat you, you treat them with respect. And the reason that it's so important having the talk of the birds and the bees is you want to protect your children, and not only do you have the talk with your children or people you care about, about how you ought to respond to people in authority who come up suddenly or even, even judiciously into your presence, you better treat them with respect, whether they treat you with respect, because your life might depend upon that. And I really want to tell you that, that really, when you think about preparing yourself for what happens next, we all need to do that, uh, because not only our life depends upon it, but maybe the people around it, their lives as well. You know, as you think about that, that's always been an issue, an issue of, of being wise in the midst of how you treat other people and prepared to, no matter how they might treat you. And having that talk, however, is, is, is really often related to race, and it is so, but it's also related to those who wear a certain color uniform. I was reading this past week of just how might you define racism, and here's a couple ways that people have defined it. Racism is prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race or color. But I want to expand that because, let's be honest, in our nation right now, the unrest is between people of color and people who are wearing a certain color, the blue uniform, the color of the police force, or whatever color of their uniform might be. And it's based on belief that your race or your color is superior Another way to define that is the belief that all members of each race or color possess characteristics or abilities specific to that race or color, especially so as distinguish it as inferior or superior. So I guess you could put it this way plainly. You know, racism, and I'm defining it now a little bit in a larger way, is anytime you feel inferior to someone else based on your culture or your race or take the opposite, which is normally when you think about someone being racist toward you, where they are, they are seeing themselves as superior to you because of your race or color and their race or color. But however you define it, whether you feel inferior, and in many ways that's racism as well, and you are, you are putting that on yourself, or whether you feel superior, that's also, if you want to describe what the Bible would call, that's just simply sin. And really when you think about what's happening in our world today, in particular in our nation, uh, let's just be honest. The, the problem in our nation right now is, is sin. People's heart is far from God and what he wants in our lives, in our nation's life. And we've used this phrase uh, a number of times just recently. The, the heart of every problem is the problem of the heart. And, and the Bible describes the heart as is, is deceitful and, and unable to be mastered or controlled by someone else other than by the living God. And so what we really need is is to really understand that there is an important talk that we need to have with children and people we care about, uh, that they be prepared to what happens if a a policeman comes in their midst, or let's be honest, a police officer needs to be prepared what happens if he comes into a situation that is dangerous, or or whether it's having the the sex talk with people who are now forming their own convictions about what they're going to do or allowed to be done to their body. But there's a much more important question that needs to be answered uh, that actually actually is not going to just deal with what happens now, but what's going to happen for eternity. And and I want us to see that in the pages of Scripture this this morning, as we really, in many ways, see another racial tension happening. And actually, if you talk to officers, as I've talked with them, they say one of the most difficult things they ever encounter is, is when they come into a family dispute. Uh, because when family is arguing with each other, temperatures are raging and all kinds of things can happen. Well, we encounter that with Moses now as his family returns to him. And, and we want to kind of see that played out as we look at Exodus chapter 18. I've entitled the message, Having the Talk. And I, also, it, it, I almost uh, entitled it Personal and Family Business because this is really where life happens with, with people we know and people we come in contact with, and often that's our family, the people we're closest to. And, and we better have it right when we encounter people that might come from a different perspective, uh, a different worldview, a world opinion, uh, even, even a different faith, that we're prepared to have that most important talk with them. And let's look at it as we begin in Exodus chapter 18, and we're going to be going through this text. Fairly quickly, but hopefully you'll catch some things that God wants us to see. So if you're following the outline, which will help you follow what I'm trying to say and help keep me in line in terms of getting through this passage, let's look at having the talk. How do we do that? Well, find and follow a good example and do what they do. And the first first example we're going to have is having the most important talk, And then we'll look at having another important talk. And first of all, we'll look at an example. And this example is a man named Moses, whom we have seen God use in amazing ways. Not a perfect individual, but one that has learned to to follow after God and do what God wants him to do and and, and do that which is most important. Uh, Often what happens in life when we do mess up is we get caught up in the things that aren't important. And we're not not caught up on that which is most important. That's when life goes down a, a path that often leads to heartache and pain. And, and let's be honest, as we see, it often happens in death when our, our position or our power is inflicted on somebody else. Having the most important uh, talk, let's look at Moses as he has a talk about knowing God. Uh, look at Exodus chapter 18. Beginning with verse 1, we, we, we encounter his family coming to him. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian... Moses' father-in-law heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, the people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And if you're just now with us, this is really the after story of God doing the miraculous. He, he set his people free, the 10 plagues, why they were under the, the heavy hand of Pharaoh, and they got out of Egypt, and then Pharaoh's armies went after uh, Moses and his people, and, and God parted the Red Sea and... and Crushed the army of pharaoh and and then God miraculously provided them because you know life happens even after the greatest victory, life happens, and so God provides food for them, provides water for them, leads them step by step and and, and even when they were attacked from without the amalekites who were who were from the promised land and uh, which they were going to be encountering later on and, and they thought they could overwhelm uh, Israel when they weren't prepared and, and God came through and and now they're finally at a place where it feels like, okay, we can take a breath. And maybe, maybe as our world, our nation begins to open up, and we're now in the third phase in California, and it, it feels like we can, we can take a breath. And, and even if things don't get back to exactly how they were, uh, normal, and there's going to be somewhat of a new normal, we're thinking, well, maybe maybe life will be a little bit more recognizable and, and how I used to live will be closer to how I'm living uh, right now. Well, that's kind of what's happening here. And, and we pick it up in Exodus 18 and we, we hear Jethro, the family, is coming to Moses. Verse 2, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Moses' wife, Zipporah, Her name means like bird. Zipporah, I don't know if that was like an affectionate name or whatever, but that was Moses' little birdie. And um, after she had been sent away, and there's some controversy about when Zipporah had gone back to her home. Uh, Some believe it happened early before all the plagues. Some feel that she got to experience God's miraculous power and see how God used her husband Moses and and what happened is, as they got through the Red Sea and as they were going toward Mount Sinai, and we're going to be seeing that pretty, pretty quickly in the, in, in the story of God's way out for his people as we go up to the place where God delivered the commandments, um, that before they got to Mount Sinai, God sent Zipporah uh, to go get uh, Jethro. And with that, in verse 3, his sons are there as well, and are two sons, of whom one was named Gershom... For Moses said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And in many ways, and we open up, talk a little about racism or people having prejudice toward another for whatever reason. Quite frankly, when I played basketball, I I, I, I kind of was prejudiced against anybody that was taller than I am, uh, anybody that was quicker than I was, anybody who could run a, a little bit faster, had longer arms, and Quite frankly, it just had any any more ability than I had. I just I just tell you, truth, I, you know, sometimes I just hated them because they were just better than me. Uh, you know, w- we have all kinds of things that just just cause us, you know, to be angry often about things that don't really matter. Uh, but what we have here, I want you to understand, is Moses understood racial issues. Uh, if you look back at his story in Exodus chapter one. You know, his people are in bondage. In Exodus chapter 2, he gets brought from being an Israelite into the, the, the courts of Pharaoh. And, and so he went from being a Jewish person to be basically raised as an Egyptian. But he looked a little bit different. So he was in a position of privilege, but he was a minority in the, the court of Pharaoh. And, and then what happens, he, he kind of somewhat reunites with his own people and his own re- people reject him. So then he has to flee to to the Midianite uh, area of the wilderness and he marries into a family where he's probably the only Jewish person that anybody has ever met and and so now he again is a minority. And and then he goes back to Egypt and he's now identifying with God's people nationally, Israel and those whom God had chosen and again in the midst of all the Egyptians, he is again a minority. And now he is set free, and now his father-in-law, who is a Midianite, and his wife, who is a Midianite, and his children—let's just let's put it very plainly—they're they're multiracial. You know, there's a Midianite and there's a Jewish person, and his firstborn son, and God often did this in the Old Testament to to hammer down some object lessons for us. Was named Gershom. Now I don't know any of you have named your sons Gershom, but uh, you know, Gershom. Uh, what did that mean? It means. I'm a sojourner. Some translate that I'm an alien. I'm a foreigner in a land. And so Moses had experienced being the minority, the one that maybe was prejudiced against, and he had experienced that firsthand. And then he named another son Eliezer, and this is the first time we hear his name mentioned in the Scripture. In verse 4, the other was named Eliezer, for he said, "'The Lord of my father was my help and delivered me from the word of Pharaoh.'" And so he said, Look at this is this is my family. We're sojourners, we're alieners, aliens, we're we're foreigners, but also we are a people with his son Eliezer, is we recognize that God is, is our help. And God was my help. And not just any God, my father's God. The true God is my help. And, and so this is a kind of a pictorial background. We have the encounter of Jethro meeting uh, Moses. Verse 5, Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife, this is uh, Zipporah, to Moses in the wilderness, where he was camped at the Mount of God. So basically what you have is you have Jethro bringing Moses' family with him, and Jethro encounters Moses. Now, I, I want you to understand, again, that you know, who is this Jethro figure? He, he was a Midianite. In fact, he was a Midianite priest. And really what he was, as far as I can understand, and many other, those who will look at this text, he, he, was, a, he was a man of another faith. He, he was a man who followed a, a, another God. He, he might have heard about the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he had followed another path. And, and now he was encountering his, his, his son-in-law. And, and what was going to happen then? And what I want to submit to you, what was going to happen then is that they were going to have the talk. And what they were going to have was the most important talk. And in case I don't make this plain right now, I want to tell you, this is the most important talk. We need to talk about race relationships. We need to talk about how we ought to treat people who are, who are wearing the, the, the blue Uniform or what other uniform might mean to believe that they are on the police force trying to protect and provide for us and how can they do it well and how can we honor them? And we ought to do some things in our culture that that help us to hold people accountable to their, their actions and to what they choose to do or not to do. But what... What we need to understand is is that we can change some people's external behavior for a moment. And that's that's part of the debate right now. Will will all this blow over and nothing change? Well, really, nothing really changes until the the heart changes. Because at the heart of every problem is the problem of the heart. And and so what we're going to see here is as Moses encounters Jethro, he has the talk. The most important talk. And I need to ask each one of us, have you been having these talks with people you care about? Your family, your friends, your neighbors, the people you come in contact with. And I don't mean you take a 50-pound Bible and you stuff it down someone's throat, but at your heart is your desire for their heart to be open to the heart of God and his plan for their life. And Moses had that at the center of his heart, and he encounters him. And he, I think he gives us a model about having, having the talk. And I would begin this way. If you're going to have, have the talk, the most important talk, you need to start this way. Show you care and be humble. L- look at it as we look at verse, verses 6 and 7. He sent word to Moses. This is Jethro. I, your father-in-law, Jethro, I am coming to you w- with your wife and your two sons uh, with her. And then Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. Now, now just stick back here before I read the next section here. You know, who is Moses? (laughs) I mean, Moses now is the greatest leader on the planet. He's the most powerful man living. He has just taken down the greatest empire in the world, the, the, the empire of Egypt. He has taken Pharaoh and brought him to his knees. He holds the staff of God, which can part a sea. He has hold the staff of God that can feed 2.5 million people. He, he holds the staff of God, which when he strikes the rock, the water pours out that everyone thirst can be satisfied. He has the staff of God that when he holds it up, he can have his people overwhelm a more prepared, better armed, better trained enemy and, 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 be, and have a victorious outcome. This is Moses, the man of God, being led by God to do the miraculous. And, and what does he do when he encounters someone that he wants to have the talk with? Does he come as a, as a superior? Or, well, let's, let's read the text. Then Moses went out to meet his father and he bowed down and kissed him. Now, the bowing down here, I want you to understand, it wasn't just kind of a nod of the head. Sometimes we, we can see that with certain cultures. They'll, they'll just kind of do a quick nod. When it says he bowed down, he, he hit, I was going to hit the pavement. Actually, he hit the dirt. He put his face to the ground. And, and then he gave an expression of love and care as he, as he kissed him, probably on the cheeks and I want to say to you, you know, we have all kinds of ways and forms and various cultures to express that way. But when you have the talk with someone, I'm talking to you who know Jesus, who have a relationship with God. When you see someone that you want to come to know the living Christ, where does it, it begin? It begins with your own heart. Because what you want, you don't want to do, you don't want to come across that you're superior to anybody. You don't want to come across that, that that you're the know-it-all and they know nothing. That what you want to communicate to the very beginning is that that, that you care and, and that you're humbling yourself before them. There is no such thing as a, as a proud Christian. There are Christians who are proud, and I doubt sometimes that they're really Christians, because pride is at the heart of every sin. And when we do demonstrate pride, that's the first thing we ought to confess, that, God, I am, I am just repenting of that evil attitude of feeling superior to anyone. Because apart from you working in my life, I am really nothing. So Moses, the, the greatest leader of that day, the, the man in position of power, when he sees Jethro of another faith, he humbles himself. And he shows that he really cares. Sometimes people miss it. They think that the motive, or the main motive, and there are many motives to turn to the living God, is that to recognize that God is up there and he's just ready to pounce on us. He's just eager to pour his wrath out upon us. And if we had more time, I would already express to you again how God was so patient with the people of Egypt. He actually waited on them for 430 years to respond to the presence of God's people in their midst and turn to their God rather than all the gods of Egypt. But the Bible tells us about what is the real attraction of the gospel to us. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says this, Know that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. In fact, in that passage in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it also says, and it's God's tolerance and it's God's patience. So the, the reason that we ought to run to God is when we see in God's people that they care and they're humble. And, and they paint that true picture of God of the kindness and the goodness and the love of God and the tolerance of God and the patience of God to draw people to himself. In fact, the reason God has not revisited this planet is because God's not slow about his promise, but his desire is for all to come to him and turn to him. So how do you have the talk with someone who needs to know God? Uh, Show care and be humble. But then the experience or the example of Moses continues on. And and then in verse 8 and 9, we read these words. Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, for all the hardship that had befallen them in the journey and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced over all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel in delivering them from the hand of the Egyptians. And that word delivering has the whole idea of rescuing and saving. And what did did Moses do? Now, let's be honest. if God had done those things for me, I'd be telling him just for all the things that I did. You know, you know I held up that staff, and I, I was willing to, to be bold right in front of Pharaoh. and I, told, I, you know, I gave Pharaoh an earful. I, I, just, I, just, I just got his face. I'd be telling all the great things I had done, but, but you don't hear that from Moses. What do you hear from Moses? You hear Moses tell, telling the story, the good story of God and what he had done. And the goodness of God and the power of God. You know, there's a a passage in Exodus chapter 9 in which God describes (laughs) what he is doing. He said, the reason I'm doing this, the reason I'm demonstrating my power and presence, that my great name will be manifested in all the world. And that's what Moses does. He simply tells Jethro the story. You know, what's the story that, that we tell people? We tell people about the kindness and goodness and love of God, for God so loved the world. But, the, but, then, but then we turn and we say, look, I want you to tell you the story and, and why we need to know God. The Bible would say in Romans 3.23, we need to recognize for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Where you are is where I have been, that, that I didn't deserve to know God. I was far from him, but, but then I came to know him, and he took all that was bad in my life, and he... He forgave it, and he's cleansing me on the inside and making me a new person for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And we need to recognize that, that God demonstrated his love in so many amazing ways, and he did it in the, the days of, of Moses and Exodus. and there's so many different ways that Jesus is pictured in the Old Testament. and we looked at that a little bit last week, that Jesus is that rock that was struck in the water, the water that could, as Jesus did in the New Testament show, could be waters of, of living water that could end up with eternal life and the, the, manna, the, the manna from heaven that if we partake of Jesus as the bread of life, then we can have life. And the Bible says in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's, that's the good story. We don't deserve God's love, but, but God demonstrated his love. While we were far from him, he loved us. And he's, he's willing to give us a gift. That's, that's the greatest expression of love when you're willing to give. And it says, but for the wages of sin is death. There's consequences for our sin. But the gift of God, the grace gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So how, how do we have the talk with, with people with the most important talk in this world, knowing God is is first of all, show that you care and be humble. Secondly, share God's good story. Talk about talk about God. Talk about Jesus. Talk about why Jesus came and what He accomplished when He died on the cross for people's sin. But then, thirdly, and this is what I wanted to lead to: you need to be very pointedly and speak about Jesus as Savior. You know, in Exodus chapter eighteen, verse ten. It says this, so Jethro said, blessed be the Lord who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the land of Pharaoh and who delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. And we looked at that even the verse before that is, it's Jethro came to that point where he, he saw that they had a deliverer, he, they had a savior, and that deliverer was God and God himself. In fact, he uses the the unique name of God of the Old Testament, Lord, Yahweh, the God unlike any other gods because he's the God. He is the source of your salvation. And we need to recognize when we have the talk, we need to point people toward Jesus. You know, in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says this, uh, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, which is exactly how Jethro responds as you recognize, how did they get delivered? How did they get rescued? It was Yahweh who did it. If you confess Jesus as Yahweh, if you confess Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And let me just say this plainly as well. We have, a, we, have a, we have a mass of people in, around the world, in America as well, that, that claim to be Christians. And you look at their life, and you sure don't see Jesus in them. Now, Christians are never perfect, and God's not finished with us yet, and we're still, we're still going down that journey to become more like him. But when you see people who claim to be followers of Christ, and they don't live anywhere close to how Jesus wanna, wants them to live, then you can question, do they really know Jesus? Because in Romans 10, which talks about committing to him as Lord, it says, when you, when, when you confess him with your heart and believe in your heart who he is, it will result in righteousness. And, and so I want to say right again that the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And God is the one who can change the heart. For anyone who is in Christ is a new creature. The old things pass away, behold, new things have come. So how do you have the talk? You show care and be humbled. You share God's good story. You speak of Jesus as Savior. And then finally, you seek a choice and commitment. It's one thing to know about this, and the Bible says very plainly, there's a spiritual world out there that knows the message of the Bible better than we do. They believe everything about Jesus that we would want people to believe, but they haven't made a choice and commitment to follow him and in Exodus chapter 18, verses 11 and 12, I think that gives a picture of what happens when, when we seek people to make that commitment. Verse 10. So Jethro said, blessed be the Lord who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the land, uh, hand of the Pharaoh, and who delivered the people from under the hand of the, the Egyptians. Now I know. Now I know. He makes it personal. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. Indeed, it was proven when they dealt proudly against the people. And then it says in verse 12, it, it shows the response of, of Jethro. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God and Aaron and came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with the Moses' with Moses' father-in-law before God. Now, we could spend <laughs> some time in that last verse a little bit, but, but how, how do you know someone really has made that choice and commitment? It, it, it will show afterwards. It will demonstrate what kind of response do they have. They, they take that which they have responded to personally and they live it out publicly. And respond immediately in worship. As he, said, he, he gave sacrifices to the living God. And so as we think about God calling us to, to have the talk. And have the most important talk with people we really care about. And God would love to save America, but what he wants more than anything else, he wants to save Americans. And he wants to save people around the world. And how that happens is each individual person makes a response to the living God. In Romans 10, verses 12 and 13, it says this, for those, uh, as we understand, there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. Let's be honest. Racial tension has always been in our world. And even within the program God put together. And he said, once we come to faith in Christ, there's no distinction. For the same Lord is the Lord of all, is abounding in riches for all all peoples. And then he says this in verse 13. For whoever will call upon the Lord will be saved. Often people give (laughs) imitations at the end of a message. Can I give you one right now? Because having this talk with you more than anything else, I want you to call upon the Lord, to make a choice. You know, ho- hopefully you you've been around Christians that care about you and show humility. Ho- hopefully you've heard the story and understood the story that God loves us. You know, we've messed up, Jesus came to clean up our mess, and we got a choice to decide. Are we gonna allow Jesus to clean up our mess? And how we do that is that we, we call upon Jesus to be The Lord, leader of our life, and the forgiver of our sins. And you can do that right now if you'll pray a prayer like this and really mean it. Let's bow right now and pray. Dear Lord, might we recognize the heart of my problem is the problem of my heart? Will you take my heart? Will you forgive me of my sin? root out that which is wrong in my life. Help me to follow you. Help me to do what you've told people who read what you have said, that I would love you first, and then I would love people. I would love people in the same way I would want them to love me and treat me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can you just imagine that? If every person of color—I don't care what color is—and and there's there's various ways to explain why there's why is there so many different shades in our world today? It's, a, it's that melanin. It's a pigment. It's a it's a brown pigment. And some who have darker colors have larger doses of that pigment within the, the, running through their body, and some have less. Some have even put it this way, in the opposite way. They say, you know, when you really think about it, uh, black is a color. White is the absence of color. You know, and so as we think about that, or no, let me put it this way. Black is, black is a color. Black really has no color, and white is a color. So we're really a colored people. So no matter how you want to explain it, it doesn't matter what color you are. What really matters is what's happening in the heart. And, and we could spend some time right here. You know, as, as Moses, a Jewish Israelite, spoke to Jethro a Midian, he was speaking across cultures. And I want you to understand if you were to go into Numbers 25, Numbers 31, uh, Judges 6, we don't have time to go through it. You, you would find out that the Midianites became some of the greatest enemies of the Israelite people. This was a people that were at war with out throughout their history. Uh, in fact, it's the story of Gideon in, in Judges chapter 6, where they come and attack and they align with the Amalekites, whom they had just fought with before this story is recorded in the scripture. Racial tension has always been within our world. And what's the only answer? The answer is the change of a heart by the living God. And you'll see examples in Scripture where the Midianites who followed after Jethro, they were friends of God's people, and those who chose not to were not friends with God's people. And what was the difference? Where was God in relationship to them? So having the talk this morning from From Judges 18, hopefully you got the main point in concerning having the most important talk. When you do that, show care and be humble. Uh, Speak about God's story. Share about Jesus as the Savior. And seek a choice and commitment so that people might not just be educated, but they might make a life-changing statement of faith to the living God. Now, if we had more time, I'd go through one other important talk, and that's how do you lead your life and how you help other people lead their life. But let me just give you the summary of it, and you can read about it. Exodus chapter 18, verse 13 through 27. Jethro now, he puts on a different hat. The first hat he wore was, I got to find out, how how did Moses get out of this mess that he and his people were in? And he found out it was God, and it was the true God, God Yahweh, and, and he came into relationship with them to the point that he immediately began to worship, not alone, but with God's people to give honor and glory to him. But then, then he steps back, and he watches Moses lead his people, and he's watching, and just kind of paraphrasing this next text, verses 13 through 27, he, he, he's looking at him, and he says, uh, you know, Moses, what, what you're doing is not good. It's not good for you, and it's not good for your people. Now, that's a pretty bold thing for a father-in-law to say to a son-in-law who is in a very, the powerful position. But what I want to do is, is just summarize some things that we can see how Moses was a great leader and how we need, if we're going to lead, and we're all in positions of influence in other people's lives, if we're going to be a good leader, if we're going to do well when whatever we do in influencing others, uh, here, here's some principles I want you to think about. Number one, you need to be teachable. And we find in the text there is that when when Jethro spoke to Moses, and if I were Moses, I'd say, look, <laughs> what do you know about leading 2.5 million people? You've never led, led 2.5 million people in your life. But he listened to, to the, the counsel of Jethro. Why? Because he was teachable. He was a good leader. Then secondly, as, as Jethro continues on, he said, no, look, I, I, not, I not only want you to be teachable, I want you to be a teacher. I want you to teach others what you know. And so it goes on, and, and Moses was taking on way more responsibilities than he should have. He was doing way more things than he should have, and he was wearing out his people. So look, you need, you need to teach others what you know so they can do what you do. But not only do they need, people need to know certain things, they need to be trained. And that's the third thing I would say. You need to train and empower others to serve and to lead. And during these days, some of you are are, are just exhausted and some of you are are just bored. But if if you're in a situation in life where you are just overwhelmed, then, then maybe what you need to realize is you're doing too much and you need to do something. It's not easy, but you need to find other people, train them, empower them, release them to serve and to lead so that we're all doing the work that needs to be done. And then one other thing he said there, he said, after that, and, and as Moses reacts to it, and you read the text, Exodus 18, 36 through 27, he then, Moses responds, and he says, okay, uh, tell others uh, you're on the team. So when you, when you are teachable, and you teach others what you know, and you train and empower them to serve others, don't just take off now. You need to tell them, hey, I'm still going to be here. I'm still going to do what I need to do. And, and Moses said, look, there's certain things I will continue to do to lead and to help and to supervise and to, and to handle disputes within this nation. Uh, but you need, to take, you need to take part of this, and you'll probably do it better than I would because I'll just exhaust everybody. But don't, don't go on a vacation. Still do what God wants you to do. So what's the point this morning? The point is our, our nation needs to have the talk. We need to have the talk about anything that's important. We need to have a talk about race. We need to have a talk about having a police force that's well-trained, but we need to have a talk about respecting and caring for those who have an impossible job to provide and protect and be in danger and and handle all the complexities of, of dealing with people uh, some that are trying to do what is lawful and right, and some, let's be honest, that are not and, and do it righteously. We need to have the talk about protecting uh, our children from having uh, undesired sex and, that will change their life dramatically and having a child coming into this world and they're not prepared to, to raise. But what's more, and we need to help people who are in positions of leadership or responsibility and say, how can we help them do whatever they're doing in a way that's good for them and good for the people around them. But what's more important than anything else? We need to have the most important talk. And the most important talk is help people know God. Because really at the heart of every problem is the problem of the heart. And the greatest problem in our world today is our hearts. Where are they? And who has our heart? And where is our heart pursuing in terms of the living God, and what he wants for us to be and to do? Who who is it in our life that that we're trying to share the good news, God's story with, and present Jesus as the one who changes everything when we really know him by making a choice and commitment? Who's the one in your life that you need to tell the story to? Or maybe who's the one in your life that you need to ask them to tell the story to you? Let's be, let's be part of the solution. Let's not just curse the problem. Let's be in the light and not in the dark. Let's pray. Our Father, we, we would pray that we might be a people that are willing to have the talk, or for some it's, it's willing to hear the talk again. Help us to realize in the midst of everyone throwing out all kinds of solutions out there, and some of them have some value and some things that can be implemented, but, but it's not going to really change anything for any length of time unless people's hearts are changed. Might they recognize that just as the, the one who encountered Jesus said so plainly, all I can tell you, I once was blind, but now I see. And the one who gave me sight is that one right over there. Help us to be people, point people to Jesus.